Good morning and welcome to Wake the F Up on UMFM 101.5. We are Thursdays 11 to 11.30. My name is Karan and my pronouns are he, him. And today on the show, I have some lovely guests. If you folks want to introduce yourselves. Hi there. My name is Love Preet Singh Multani, a.k.a. Love. My pronouns are anything. You can use pretty much anything. I don't even care. <laughs> yeah. I'm Kate O'Donnell. I identify as she, her. The UMFM 101.5 broadcasts at 1200 watts from the University of Manitoba, located on Treaty 1 territory, the original lands of Anishinaabeg, Nihayawak, Oji Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation. So before we get into this episode today, I just wanted to give a content warning. This episode is going to explore some themes of sexual violence, assault, a lot of anti-LGBT rhetoric, which might be very, very infuriating to people. This will also have some undertones of mental health issues and child abuse and some possible xenophobia as well. So before we got into recording, Love, you were telling me something that happened last night Yes, at Fame Nightclub. Do you want to kind of delve into that? Yes. So we went to my friend's place in Osborne, um, my other friend. He and I actually thought of going to Fame. I was like, it's been four or five months now. Mm -hmm. I really want to bring some change to me. Let me just go there, enjoy the vibe and uh, let's see what's around. Like, you know, how many new people are there as well. So we went there to Fame. I got my ID out. I went to the, the person there, the security person who checks the ID. Unfortunately, he said, I can't go in. I was confused. The Mm -hmm. only ID I had was my refugee ID. So now, you know, I'm a a refugee claimant here. I applied as an LGBT person. I'll tell you about that later on as well. He's like, you can't enter. You have to leave. He didn't even let me finish my sentences. And I was a bit confused at that time. I was like, can I talk to your superior? I had to complete this sentence and I only finish it up till talk. Like, can I talk? And then he actually said that, no, you have to leave. Take your ID and go away. And he was speaking rude and he was being mean to me. And we were kind of confused. Who should we talk to? What should we talk about mm-hmm, as well? Mm-hmm. So my friend was like, Let's just leave. And I was like, all the straight clubs and other organizations are mm. actually accepting my refugee ID as my ID of acceptance, like which right. verifies my date of birth as well. Mm-hmm. And why exactly fame is actually being so, so discriminating in this regard. So he's like, let's go to Club 200. Let's get that a try as well. So I was ranting about it. I'm like, this is not justified. I need to talk to someone about it because this is oppressing someone's right as well. Just because... I'm actually holding a refugee ID doesn't mean that you should right. not allow me to go to a like a safe place. I actually mm-hmm. find it a safe place as well, right? Safe of course. Space, so why not? We went to Club 200. I showed them my ID. I asked them first, like, do you accept it? They were like, yeah. 
they didn't even check much they actually checked the date of birth yeah. and they saw that then it's an official government document mm-hmm. they just let me in yeah i don't know what was wrong with fame uh, we went back as well friend is like do you want to talk to them about it again and i'm like look at that guy He's mm-hmm. still there. He won't let me in. If someone is not around, I don't know who to talk to. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, and that's so infuriating because a refugee status card is acceptable ID. And as you said, exactly. it's accepted elsewhere too. So this is definitely not the first time that fame has been problematic. Mm-hmm. They have a bit of a anti-black events. They've yeah. they've done they've done a lot of problematic stuff before, which shows how we still have a lot of work to do with queer people of color mm-hmm. in the community, especially when there's already so much xenophobia when people are applying for refugee statuses mm-hmm. because they're escaping oppressive regimes and coming to a country which accepts LGBT people and then you have something like this happen indeed right i didn't know how to react properly but i knew that i was coming here today so i wanted to talk about it like here this was an official discriminating thing that some organization did to me mm-hmm. like that i don't know how many people of color actually face that pretty much every day i we don't know like what was happening mm-hmm. like you know because even if my refugee id is not acceptable you should at least let me know in a polite way right rather than shutting me down and whacking me, me with your words as well mm-hmm. uh just listen to me i just asked you one question you're not letting me finish sentences I'm not a half drunk soul who's coming there and who don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I was completely sober, so I don't know what exactly was making him like be so mean and rude towards me. Mm-hmm. And that brutality was so weird that it didn't even show on his face as if he's having some kind of guilt. Mm-hmm. He's just mm-hmm. standing there, he's like whatever, I don't care. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm really sorry that that happened and the fact that it happened last night is just mind-boggling mm-hmm. to me. When you were coming on to the show, I wanted to talk to you folks about the GoFundMe page mm-hmm. and everything that the story behind it mm-hmm. and like you said I wanted you to have the platform to kind of talk about things mm-hmm. right Yeah I think I would like to have Kate who actually made that campaign for me talk about that first Fire photos yeah. by the way on the oh, campaign love them all <laughs> Thank you Thank you Yeah Okay um let me just give you a backstory I was sick during that week I was having no money. I still don't have enough. I just only have $50 in my account right now. <laughs> But I was having no money. I was sick. My emotions were like all going up and down. I didn't have any control on it. I was to go to home as well, but I was like even if I go home, uh go back to my new place, I don't have food to eat. Right. Nothing to eat. Mm-hmm. The lady is so nice, but it just feels so weird to even ask someone that can I but because I don't I haven't talked to her for like a long time now mm-hmm. uh properly like sitting together and like having a connection strong enough to like share mm-hmm. those emotions but yeah at that time it was happening and i was pretty much very confused what to do so i unfortunately left my key at one of my friends place uh, mm-hmm. in ucr itself i go to my home i realize i don't have the key with me so i didn't know what to do i was so tired exhausted my nose was running my head was aching my eyes were like all swollen i was missing my mom's so i i missed i i actually was standing at the bus stop and i told one of my friends that i'm coming back to get my key i started crying at the bus station i couldn't control it i i was just oh my god it it was like i couldn't control but i didn't want anyone else to hear my sobbing noise or crying noise as well so i had to control i come here i and started knocking at every one of my friends door but i think they went to um pembina hall to eat kate was there though 
I wanted mm-hmm. to go to Kate's uh, room first, but there were people in the lounge. They were ha- having some kind of event, and I didn't want strangers to see me crying and having red eyes. And like, of course, right? That I'm leaking, <laughs> 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 leaking through my eyes. So I went to Kate's room. I knocked at her door. I lost my mind. I burst out in tears. She saw it, and then she wanted to help. Then what did you do? Okay, well, yeah. So love was at a really like low point, and I didn't really know exactly the right thing to say to make him feel better because I, I mean, it sucks when you're sick first of all and you're away from home, and then when all of these things are happening and like you've been through all of these things and now you're living away from all of us because we everyone that we're all friends were kind of like second family sort of, mm-hmm. and now he's away. So I was like, I'm not really sure what to say. So I was like, I'm going to try to do something. Mm-hmm. So then I let him cry everything out and tell me everything. And I was like, give me like a list of what what I can do, what you need. And then he was like, oh, I don't have heat. <laughs> the oh, heat Lord. isn't, well, the heat's not proper in the house. Oh, so I was yikes. like, okay, we'll get a space heater. And then the, I was, we kept going down the list and I was like, Okay, I know that he doesn't have enough support to, like, fund his life, really. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I think that we get your story out there, and then there can be more support coming to you, you know? Like, if people knew what you've been through, they'd want to help you. And I was like, maybe we should try to do this campaign. And I was trying to write this GoFundMe bio, and I was like, okay. And I wrote it all out, and it was just kind of, like, boring. And I was, like, looking at love. And then I went downstairs and I called my mom and I asked her for advice. And then I was feeling emotional <laughs> and then I went back upstairs and I was talking to love and I was like, you know what, stay here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be back in 10 minutes. So then I went to my lounge and I was like crying and I was like, I want this to be real. So I wrote the bio out, made it as emotional as I could, tried to get out everything that I felt towards love. And then I went back to my room and love was sleeping like fast asleep and I posted it and I read it to everyone in the lounge all of our second family and Mm -hmm. they were you know they didn't all know that and they were really like they were crazy they were in a crazy mood and when I read it to them they were just quiet and they looked at me and they're like wow you should you should post that and I Mm -hmm. was like already did (laughs) and then (laughs) And then, like, the response was crazy. But, yeah, so that's why we did it. Like, love was in a really low point, And I was like, at this point, I can't see it happen anymore. Mm. Okay, so I'm about to read the bio on the GoFundMe. <laughs> Hello, everyone reading this or listening. My name is Kate, and I attend the University of Manitoba in Winnipeg. Since coming here, I have met the most extraordinary people. One of the most notable of the lot is my dear friend, Love Motani. Let me start by saying the first time I saw this man, (laughs) I was sitting with a group of friends in my residence lounge. As we spoke, this man strut past us in overalls and six-inch red heels. (laughs) He was just trying to get to the sink to wash his dishes. I saw his winged eyeliner looking on point and thought, okay, this guy is promising. (laughs) When we finally spoke for the first time in the same lounge, weeks later, we talked for hours. We went from talking about makeup to sexual harassment and then the meaning of life. I'm sure this was all before even exchanging names. But then I heard him say his name was Love. It is quite 
fitting as he is the complete embodiment of this name, for real. The party does not start until he walks in. He is a beacon of empathy and entertainment. When he is around you, you will cry from laughter or true emotional intimacy. He is that powerful of a human. Love was born with the superpower of bringing a smile to the face of any person he encounters. Despite his positive energy, he is in extreme pain. And before we continue on with the bio, I just want to reiterate the content warning. Um, We're going to be talking about sexual abuse and assault. So yeah, just a heads up. Love came to Canada last year to learn, but in doing so, he escaped a home that abandoned him financially and emotionally. Love is from the traditional state of Punjab in India, and they are not very accepting of homosexuality. When Love arrived in Canada, he came out and received threats of honor killings from his family members overseas. This year, he thankfully was permitted refugee status from the Canadian government. He has overcome this alongside a past full of abuse. He was raped 96 times from the age of 7 till 16. He was forced to endure such unthinkable trauma, but he survived, and he continues to survive. I see him struggle, even as he is suffering. He truly is love. He takes time for everyone, but it is high time we look out for him. He has moved three times in the last month due to being unable to afford living costs. He also cannot afford his school fees. He struggles to afford his meals. He works three jobs alongside taking four courses. Due to a restriction of hours, he is allowed to work with his refugee status and delay of his SIN number. He is not making money to afford to live. On top of this, his mental health is plummeting. I want to see him be able to feel joy and truly live rather than struggle to survive. Regardless of your religious beliefs, anyone will feel faith through love's strength. I do not mean to be a bother, although I would appreciate greatly if you reading this could give anything to love. He has become a family member to me in a matter of months. I know one day he will stand amongst crowds of people and share his story, but I just want to help him get to that place. If you're able to contribute absolutely anything for his school or living fees, we would be so grateful forever. Thank you for listening or reading. All right, that's all. So what happened is uh, when Kate actually was thinking about uh, starting a fund me page for me, I was like, oh my God, like this girl is doing so much for me right now. I was like a bit confused and dilemmic as well, whether I should have her share my story. But I'm like, so much support is coming from so many people. So I should rather let her do these things for me. Um, I didn't say anything. I was like, sure, girl, you want to do it? You do it. Mm-hmm. We didn't have any money goal in our mind. Mm-hmm. It was more like the sharing the story part. We had like three hundred dollars <laughs> as the <laughs> that was ambitious. For <laughs> oh my god, that was wow. ambitious goal. Yeah. And you know, we really? were like three hundred dollars is what we want. Like you know, that's it. Like uh, we want the story to go like far and wide rather than taking in the money. Mm-hmm. It was just like my friend's goodwill for me. Like, you know, they wanted to um, help me out financially as well. They're like, okay, yeah, sure. If your story is reaching far and wide, why not? Right. But what if it actually brings some of the financial and monetary support that you would need right now? I'm like, I don't know. Of course. And we were not even hoping much <laughs> until like <laughs> we found out that in one day we raised around $1,600, the first day itself. And that's mostly Minnesota there. 
because I didn't right. reach the audience or uh, the public and uh, Canada much at that time. Okay. And and that also in Minnesota, it's college students. Yeah. yeah. You know, as students, how much we struggle every day. And there were people giving me money out of the, the hard-earned money that they have been earning as well. So many loving messages that I got. I felt so strong at that time. There was this one time I, I was like sitting there. I, I think it was on the first or second day itself. <laughs> University Center. Um, this group of my friends, we were actually setting up a table. I just sat there. I was like having no makeup on my face, looking all dead. I was all sick and I'm like, I can't do anything right now. Uh, let me just try to distract myself by involving involving myself into other activities. I tried doing it. I sat there, read the thing. People started sen- sending me texts as well. Mm-hmm. I cried. Mm-hmm. I'm crying in the university center when like 10 people are just looking at me what happened. And I, I can't see anything. And my friend Moses, he's like, like, okay, do you want a hug from my side? I'm like, yeah, sure. Like because I was like, if it helps, then why not? And I was like, oh my God, I want a hug. <laughs> and then he hugs me and then start crying more. Mm-hmm. I, I'm crying and crying and then Moses and my other friend are poor he actually they're like okay let's go to UCR stay in my room uh, it's not good to like have you staying outside with tears on your face so what happened is we're walking through the tunnels and I'm crying I'm crying like crazy people looking at me I'm crying so I go to the room they give me food and stuff as well so they were like like they actually have become my true family. They're feeding mm-hmm. me. They're taking care of me. They're not like expecting anything in return. I, I don't. I, I don't know. Like, which family was the true one? Then like, like people who raised me for eighteen years and thought that we would rather abandon you to die, and want to kill me ultimately as well if they get the chance, or the people I just met three four months ago. Right. Which bond is stronger? Like, is is time? Can time define the bond that I have with people? Or is this the strength of the bond? So yes, it's definitely the strength of the bond. Right. The four months are equivalent to the 18 years I spent with my family as well. Mm-hmm. Because those people are behind my like life. Like, they want to kill me, right? I don't even know what to do, how to protect myself. I've been at a stage where... Before we move forward, I would just like to give all listeners another content warning uh, pertaining to mental health and uh, suicidal tendencies. I've never actually said it out loud like that in public. Um, I've tried committing suicides many times in Canada itself because when this ref- before even I actually applied for refugee status, I was very confused. I'm like, I can't go back to my home country. What if my family changes their mind? What will I do? Like, you know, starting a life from scratch is difficult. And I was also facing racism here as well, the polite racism. So finding my place in the community was very difficult at that time mm-hmm. as well. So I didn't know what to do. It was very easy for me to jump to suicidal thoughts at that time. I tried slitting my wrist, didn't do it. Every time I ended up at that point where I wanted to take my life away, there was always someone there around me. There was like a stranger passing by. It made me like, it was like a trigger, like, no, you can't do it. Yeah, there are people there around you. You can't do it here. If there was no one else around me, or if, like, let me tell you another instance. I I was on the Bishop Grandin Bridge. I was sitting, and uh, I would have jumped in the next 10 seconds if my friend, my best friend, Like she hadn't called me. That vibration that I felt off the phone on my left thigh at that time saved my life on that day. 
I pick up the call and she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm jumping off the bridge. She's like, stop joking and I have a thing to tell you. Her telling me that I have a thing to tell you and stop joking made me think that, okay, this is just a joke. You shouldn't be doing it. I just went home. I told her after like three, four days, I told her that this is happening. This almost happened and you saved my life. You don't know much about it. She started crying. I didn't know how to make her stop crying. I just said that I won't do it again. You know, as a kid, I always believed that if you cross your fingers and if you put it put it behind your um, back and then just say that, yes, I promise, that the promise doesn't count. I did something like that. So I knew that I would land on like that stage again and I don't like breaking promises much. So I ended up second time on the Bishop Grandin Bridge. My brother saw my picture and with me wearing a very nice crop top. It was a pride day. Mm-hmm. So he saw the picture and he sent a text to me threatening me and stuff and I was scared. My family has a lot of networking back home. So I don't know, like, you know, it's very easy. Like uh, people were telling me that Winnipeg is a crime capital of Canada. Anything is possible. There are contract murders and whatnot. So since my family has a lot of networking, I was like scared as well. I'm like, anything can happen. And he said that he's sending someone here to humiliate me and to send me back home. And I was like, I if someone comes here and confronts me with my sexuality at that time and I'm like still trying to figure it out properly, mm-hmm. I won't be able to defend myself at all. Mm-hmm. Probably right. I'll just give in. On that day, um, uh, I jumped into the river. I told you, right, Lady Fortune said that I don't want to like let you live. I don't want to let you die. So somehow she actually landed me to this living world again by um, putting me like the the waves of the river somehow landed me on the shore of the river. Fifteen minutes later, I j- I'm just there, like, you know, on, on the side of the river. I wake up, I'm all wet. My clothes are all wet. In those dripping clothes, I go back home. I change my clothes. I cried out so loud. I didn't want to tell Amani anything. She already cried for me when she came to know that she saved my life when I was trying to jump over it. I don't, I, and I promised her. Although it was not like, I didn't break it because I didn't make it officially. I, I, at least I believed that. I don't know, that skittish mentality there. Three, four months pass and I tell her that this happened. She was speechless. She didn't know what to say. She was just there. She made sure that every day she's texting me or calling me just to make sure that If I'm having those thoughts, at least there's a person to distract me. That distraction can maybe pull me out of that situation. I did uh, try committing suicide a third time as well. You know, BDI, the famous ice cream place. I went to so many dates with so many people there as well. (laughs) (laughs) I went on a date uh, with myself on that day. It was fall last year. I saw the river again. Like, you know, and I was like, this broke face, this mental stress, these situations, I'm, I'm, I'm not strong enough to like, you know, I was having so much guilt within me of actually taking that valuable time of my friends uh, when they already have struggles of their own. So much guilt of even just living like my very existence was a guilt. Like I was like, my essence is not true to myself. I just want to like get out of my body. The only way it was possible was to die. I went inside the river and it's just like a downhill slope. I went inside. I was like almost half of my chest down into the water. 
when I heard a kid saying something like, you know, uh, mom, I want an ice cream kind of, I don't know, somehow it distracted me and I just looked there. I just, I, I think it was the word mom. Then uh, I looked at a dead fish there. I was like, there's life there and this is how death looks like after you die. I was like, you. Then my gay instinct kicked in me. I'm like, that's disgusting. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's, oof. So I was like, let's get out of water. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bus that I actually took to get back home, I was all wet as well. But there were only two people in the bus. The driver didn't pay much attention. I went back home, I changed my clothes again. So far we've raised 36, 3,600. <laughs> if you want to donate, you could look it up, GoFundMe, Looking Out for Love. It's also on the show's Instagram page. And we would really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. We will have it on our Instagram page uh, in the bio. You'll be able to click on it. And um, if you are able to share it even with a couple of your friends and if they're able to donate, I am sure that would help out a lot. Um, This has been Wake the F Up, 101.5 UMFM. And I truly, truly thank Love and Kate for coming on to the show and talking about their struggles as they continue to face them and hopefully we can all show them some love thank you